0: some ways, the song we just sang um, is somewhat of a dangerous song at times. Asking the Spirit to move, be careful. Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. And that's not a bad thing. I think sometimes um, it's maybe easy for us. And by the way, I'm a Midwestern of german descent and um being of german descent i'm not very emotional um in that way and not very expressive in that way maybe i'm maybe you think i am and if if so then maybe i'm a wayward german um but kind of raising my hands on the inside kind of thing um we just don't do that a lot right we don't emote as germans we you know we just we just don't emote that's just not the way we do things as germans um and yet um The reality is, is that when it comes to the movement of the Holy Spirit, there are things that the Spirit may lead us in. There are things that the Spirit may show us. There are things that the Spirit may convict us. Remember, that's one of the reasons why Jesus said He was sending His Spirit. It wasn't only that that we as His followers might be comforted and that we might also continue to learn and grow as to who Jesus is and in our following of Him. But it was also so that the world might be convicted of what it is doing, of its sin and of its waywardness in the hopes that one day it would turn itself back to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith and the creator of all that has been created. That's a dangerous prayer. That's a dangerous prayer because I don't know about you, but I like it when other people get convicted, but not me. <laughs> I like it whenever people, when other people get their just desserts and I get to sit back and watch and be like, it's about time. I'm sorry, I'm an imperfect pastor. I'm human too. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit turns to me and says, Yeah. The book of Amos, by the way, if you've never read Amos, I love the book of Amos. Amos is just that wonderful story of this fig farmer and this shepherd who was called by God to give a word to the people of Israel. And as he is giving the word, he starts out about judgment coming to all of the surrounding countries. And you could just see the whole nation of Israel was just like, yeah, yes, you go, Amos. I love what you're saying. Those countries deserve it. May the wrath of God pour out on them. Absolutely, absolutely. Go, 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 Amos. And then Amos turns to them and says, and God's coming for you too. That's a dangerous thing. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. Amen? Let me just say this, when we come to the Scriptures as we are coming to you this morning, we do not come to it in an ordinary way. This is not just some ordinary book. Yes, it is words on a paper, but more than that, the reason why it has life-giving power is because of the Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16, for all of God's Word is what? God breathed. Right? I mean, this is no ordinary book we have in our hand. And so I pray today that as we come to the scriptures and as we conclude this series today in Philemon, um, that we do so in a way that is that we understand that we are not just coming to a book and to a passage with words on a page, but rather that these words would speak life to us, that the Spirit of the living God would move and have His way with us right now and that what might be shared, and I pray it is not me sharing it, but I pray always that it is God speaking through me and that's not always the case, I'll be honest. I do get sometimes a little carried away and that sometimes I want it to be my words and my opinions and my views that come through on this. And by the way, I have a bully pulpit by which I can make sure that happens which is why you never mess with a pastor. (laughs) Randall, thank you for finally wearing the shirt today. (laughs) It's an inside joke. We got these nice polos. He didn't bring his to conference. He finally wears it today. It's like bringing a present after the birthday's over. It's nice, but you're late. (laughs) I'm having fun today. Lord, have mercy. Um, but I pray that as we come to these closing passages in Philemon, that what I will share with you is the Spirit leading, that the words that I share are not my words, but His, and the thoughts that I might share would not be my thoughts, but His thoughts. That, that is a prayer I pray every single time I come to a message, that please, Holy Spirit, guide me, lead me. Uh, give me insight into your word but more than that what I pray for also is insight into God's heart and also into yours we all are living life and we all are living in challenges and joys and everything else and I pray that the spirit would speak whatever passage we come to to where you might be today now we have been going through this series and we've been calling this a new beginning with God because we know that in many ways, although this is a new beginning between a relationship that had been fractured, that now it is also in many ways a template for how we can have a new beginning, not only with one another, when we may have had a falling out, when, whenever we may have had a fractured relationship, but even more so when we can have a new beginning with God himself, because we need to realize this, brothers and sisters, if we have forgotten it, let me share it with you once again, every single one of us are born into this world with a fractured relationship with God himself every single one of us. There is not a single person on this planet, aside from Jesus Himself, who has not been born with already a relationship in their life that has been fractured. They just don't know it yet. And that relationship is with Jesus Christ Himself. And so this this. Letter that Paul writes is absolutely essential. And we have been going through this series looking at specific keys to a new beginning and understanding some things as to these keys. For instance, we started out realizing that no relationship is perfect. Every relationship we have in our life is not perfect. And by the way, I have to confess, and maybe you will as well, that oftentimes I place expectations on other people in relationship that I have with, whether it is with my wife, whether it is with my children, whether it is with other pastors, other ministry leaders, other friends, whatever it is, that maybe they could never ever meet. I place expectations on them, needs that I hope that they will fulfill, that by the way, they may never be able to, they were never designed to, and it is never going to happen. And right there, there is friction because of that. There is tension that is possible in a relationship, right? Because of that. No relationship is perfect. There are ups and downs. There is conflict. There is heartache. There is friction. And yes, even falling out. No relationship is perfect. We understand that now. However, new beginnings are possible. New beginnings are possible. Relationships can be healed. Relationships can be restored. Relationships can be reconciled. It can happen. Jesus Christ makes that possible. And third, as a follower of Jesus, remember this: you and I are called to a ministry of reconciliation. We looked at that. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses seventeen through eighteen. Wonderful passage. I've shared this before and share share this again. Is that my life's goal and my hope is is that I can help bring about reconciliation wherever and whenever possible. That is something that I believe as followers of Jesus, we are all called to. Paul calls that a ministry of reconciliation. Here's another thing we look at. Your attitude, my attitude can make or break a new beginning. All new beginnings, another aspect of this, are a choice. We can never force reconciliation. You can never force two parties to reconcile. It will never work long term. It may work in the short term, but it will never work in the long term. All new beginnings or reconciliation has to be a choice. The people have to want to do it. All new beginnings that begin with a request often turn out for the best. You can't force it. You can't coerce it. You can only request it. And as last week, Wheezy shared new beginnings, and this is my paraphrase, require us to view each other as somebodies, not some things. Does this sound okay, Pastor Wheezy? Okay. By the way, if you haven't listened to her message, I invite you to. And by the way, the first few minutes of that message, just be prepared. It should just have a disclaimer. Pastor Wheezy's preaching today. Anything can happen. (laughs) I love it. Right? I love it. Because Pastor Wheezy's views on Scripture is just so awesome. I never had that view, and I'm glad that God has brought her into our life to give us that view that otherwise you would just get a German milk toast traditional view. That's it. Anyways, I've thoroughly embarrassed her. And so I will move on. (laughs) So today we're going to conclude this series and we're going to look at, as we conclude, one other key component in order to have a new beginning. And perhaps the one that we're going to look at today, out of all the ones that we have looked at it throughout this book, this tiny little letter that can be read in a few minutes. Is perhaps the most important key. That without this, everything else is moot. Not mute, moot. Okay? Everything else is almost in many ways irrelevant. It's just academic. It's just pie in the sky. It's not relevant without this key. This is my opinion, but this is what I see. As we conclude this book today, we're only going to look at a few verses, verses 21 through 25. However, what Paul shares here with Philemon is so crucial. So crucial. We understand the conflict now. We have been through this as it's been addressed, that Philemon and Onesimus had a falling out. Onesimus, who was a slave to Philemon, had run away and had run away and thought that he could get away from everything and not have to go back. And then he encounters Paul in Rome, and Paul leads him to Jesus Christ, and then tells Onesimus, now, you need to go make this right, go back to Philemon. And in the process of that, he is now writing this letter to Philemon to help kind of mitigate and mediate this tension that is obviously there, and to help in some ways bring about reconciliation and yet, here it is, as Paul ends this letter, perhaps the most important key to help bring about reconciliation, to help bring about a new beginning. And it starts with this. New beginnings start with heedful hearing. We have another word for that. I'll get, I'll get to that word in just a minute here. Let me say that again. New beginnings start with heedful hearing. Now, if you have a Bible with you, let's go to Philemon, just one verse, verse 21. This is what Paul writes, and I'm just gonna back it up, one verse, verse 20. Okay? It's not there on the screen, so I'm just gonna back it up and set it up here. Paul writes the following, Yes, brother, that is to Philemon, let me benefit from you in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. In other words, Paul is just sharing with Philemon, ah, oh, please philemon i i i beg you i request of you refresh me um let me benefit from you let me you know l- let me benefit from what i know you are going to do and then he says this in verse 21 having confidence this is why paul writes verse 20 is because of verse 21 having confidence in your obedience i write to you since i know that you will do even more than what i say that word obedience there We've heard that word before. How many of us, by the way, like obedience? Really? Um, In case you haven't heard yet, we have a puppy. (laughs) For sale. (laughs) Uh, What do you take a dog to? Obedience school. We take a dog to obedience school. You know what obedience school really is? It isn't dog training. It's human training. For your dog your dog isn't going to learn that stuff but you need to learn how to think like a dog how to act like a dog and therefore that's what it is totally i've done it we just call it obedience school for dogs because we wouldn't like it obedience school for humans to interact with dogs you can't put that on a nice neat business card or a marquee you just can't do it but that's what it is we 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 just kind of grade against obedience don't we we hate that word, especially in our culture, especially in our time, especially where we are today. We do not like obedience. Let me hopefully today, how could I say this? Um, I'm going to say this incorrectly, intentionally. Let me assuage, or sewage as I like to say it, <laughs> your possible concerns about this word obedience. Because here in the Greek, the word obedience is really all about hearing. In fact, that's what the Greek word refers to. It's But it's not just any kind of hearing. It's intentional hearing. It's really taking into consideration and being careful with what you're hearing. It is being heedful in your hearing, really intentionally and taking that time to hear. That is what this word obedience in the Greek means, which is why I've shared with you this idea of heedful hearing. It is that intentional hearing. It is not passive hearing. It is actually in the moment when someone is talking to you, for instance, your spouse, and you are doing something, whether watching TV or listening to music, it is actually turning off the TV and stopping the music, taking out your headphones and actually sitting there in front of your spouse to actually listen to what they are saying. When a child comes to you and they want to share something with you that you know is now for the 10th time something they have done and they're so proud of. I mean, remember my kids used to put on those talent shows, right? right? How many times did they have to put on those talent shows? And all they would be doing was somersaults and jumping jacks. And, and they thought that's the greatest thing in the world. Well, as their father, I've got to stop what I'm doing because I love my kids. I want to make sure I am absolutely attentive to what they're doing. But it also means more than that. Have you ever, when talking to a child, ever got down on your knee and to their level and talked with them? That's, that's heedful hearing. That's actually getting down and being so intentional as to put yourself in a place where you can actually hear what they are saying. I love the Scriptures because, you know, that's what Jesus does for us. Remember this pose. the Scriptures, the Psalms talks about the fact that He stoops down to hear our prayers. He actually puts Himself in a position of that heedful hearing to listen to us. Whatever He was doing, and by the way, He's a pretty busy guy, I saw Bruce Almighty, I know what he's doing. <laughs> he, he stops everything, and he stoops down to listen to us. Think of that imagery the next time you're in prayer. God of the universe, the God who has certainly more things and more important things that he could be doing that we may think, but no, 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 when we pray, he stops, he gets down, and he stoops down, and he actually wants to listen to what we're saying to him. Never forget that imagery, brothers and sisters. That's the God whom we worship. That's the God whom we serve, who is heedful hearing. I love this. Listen to what Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 17 talks about this heedful hearing. Paul writes, How then are they to call on in, on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? Amen. But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word word of Christ. Amen. If you want to put hearing there, that's obedience. Obedience, hearing, that's the same thing. That is what Paul is talking about here. That I know, Philemon, please take in what I'm saying. Just don't passively read this letter and throw it to the side. I hope that you will digest what I'm saying. I hope that you will hear me. That is obedience. That is heedful hearing. And if we want to have this new beginning, we've got to be willing, brothers and sisters, to actually listen to not only God, but also to one another. Now, I don't know about you, but we live in a culture today in which that's really hard to do, isn't it? Really hard to do. It's really hard for us to truly listen to each other. And there's good reasons why. I've got a little thing I want to demonstrate here this morning. I've got here a pitcher of water and a glass. Imagine this glass represents your life, my life, our life. And imagine that the fact that the reason why we have things that we fill our life with, we have our job, that we fill our life with. And we have our family re- responsibilities that we fill our life with. And we have projects that we want to get done that we fill our life with. Oh, and by the way, we have other things we fill our life with that makes it hard for us to listen. We have our own political views and religious views that all of a sudden we have. And not only that, we have our own ideas of how the world should be run, and So we fill that up as well. We have our own political leanings and we fill that up as well. And before you know it, we are just to the brim And we have no room left for anything else in our life. Do you know people like this? They just can't hear anything anymore. They won't hear anything anymore. The only thing that they want to hear supports what they have already filled their lives with. That's all they have room for. Now, you want to know a key to help kind of bring down this water level and maybe maybe create some capacity in another person's life? Or more importantly, in yours? Listen. Listen to them. Listen to them. Take someone out for lunch and let them share with you their story. Let them share with you their concerns, their fears, their joys. Let them share with you all that they are going through. And you might find that as you do, capacity begins to be built back in. And you begin to think at that point, maybe you might be able to share some things and fill their cups because now they've had capacity because you've listened to them, have heard their stories, have heard all of what they are dealing with. And instead of responding with judgment, instead of responding with rebuke, instead of responding with anger, instead you just listen to them. Take it in. And in doing, you will help build capacity in their life to maybe you can feel maybe something more of Jesus in theirs. That's how you can have capacity in yours as well. If you are at the brim, man, you are just like, you can't hear anything else. It's just all noise. You have your certain perspectives, and that's it. And you won't want to hear anything else. When's the last time someone listened to you? When's the last time you shared what you were truly going through? When's the last time you shared your joys, your concerns, the things that you were wrestling with? When was the last time you have been able to actually have some of your cup emptied? This past week at conference, and we had a speaker, and he was a really good speaker. And at the end of his ta- one of his talks, he had written a book, and I, I was aware that he had put this in his book. And um, uh, for a second there, I thought we were way behind schedule, but I got plenty of time. I really misjudged myself. It's okay, everyone. Um Not that you were concerned. Maybe you are. Anyways, I got scared for a moment. It's okay now. Um, He was talking about, at the end, and what he did is he wrote a book, a leadership book, using the travels of um, uh, Lewis and Clark and their expedition to the West after the United States had purchased uh, property, the Louisiana Purchase there, and all their travels and stuff that they had to go through and that they had thought and believed that as soon as they got to a certain point that they would just be able to canoe all the way to the Pacific. But there was one huge obstacle standing in their way. It was called the Rocky Mountains. They hadn't counted on that. You can't canoe the Rockies, right? You can't canoe the Rockies. You got to figure out a way over it. And so they had, luckily, not only they had done all of their work, but they had come across, luckily, a woman by the name of Sacagawea. And the speaker was sharing this and said, by the way, we have most likely been pronouncing her name incorrectly all these years. It's not Sacagawea. It's another form of that word. After that talk, and that she literally, in many ways, helped save, according to this guy, America in their expedition, because they would have turned around or most likely would have not found this route. But she led them through all the way to the Pacific. Afterwards, a person came up to one of our staff members and said, that's critical race theory. Excuse me? Yeah, that's critical race theory. That has no part here. What he said was inappropriate. Now, that person's glass was, was just brimming. Couldn't hear anything else. Anything else had to fit somehow into this glass or it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to be heard. Brothers and sisters, in case you haven't figured it out, we live in a culture in which people's glasses are absolutely filled to the brim. They will not hear anything else right now. And we're trying to tell them about Jesus. We're trying to say, hey, guess what? Would you please be logical? Okay? Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. The election wasn't stolen. Oh, boy. Move on, for crying out loud. (laughs) This is ridiculous. They won't hear that. They can't hear that. And let me just say this, what I also learned at this conference. People are not inherently evil. In these situations, they're operating out of their anxiety and fear of loss. There's a whole swath of people in this country who believe that the country they once knew and once had is now gone. That is something to be mourned. And by the way, they should be listened to. If for no other reason, it's because they're human beings who have a view. It does not help us to simply say to anybody that we might have a different view with, your view does not count. That is not the way to listen. In fact, it will do more damage than not. We ought to be listening to their hurts, to their pains, because they are real. They are real. They are struggling. They are mourning. They are anxious. They are scared. Because the country they once knew is no more. And by the way, chances are it will never be like that ever again. It's just reality. And you know, we have as followers of Jesus Christ, we have this gospel that never changes. We serve a God who never changes. He's dynamic, but he never changes. No matter what happens, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and will be the same tomorrow. We serve that God. It is not one day that we wake up that Jesus Christ, we don't ever have to worry that he is ever going to change the gospel. Ever. How do we know this? It's in print. He wrote it down. It's in print. It's here. It will never, ever, ever be changed. Ever. And we can share that gospel, that loss to to people who are lost, who are anxious, who are fearful about the future. But the only way we can do that is if we are willing to listen to them intentionally, heedfully, willingly, and empathize with their loss. What happened on January 6th is inexcusable. However, a lot of that, I wouldn't be surprised if it was done out of fear, anxiety, anger over the loss of what they had hoped would be their country. Got it. Understand. Shouldn't have done that, but we can talk. And let's listen. How many of you have actually sat down with others that maybe have a different viewpoint with you and just intentionally listened to them. Didn't say anything back. Just listened. Just listened to them. Hear them. Whenever I take someone out to lunch, and I want to just challenge you, I always have a challenge to myself when I take someone out to lunch or dinner or whatever else like that, and this is my challenge that I want to share with you. I always try to make sure that I finish my meal before they finish theirs. The reason why is because if I do, that means I've done less talking and more eating, which is not a bad deal. And they've done more talking and less eating, which is why they haven't finished theirs. In some cases, I've been there with people, they've had to get a to-go box. I want to have a challenge with you. The next time you take someone out to dinner, I encourage you to do that, or lunch or whatever else, have the meal challenge. See if you can finish your meal before the other person, because if you can, then you're doing more listening than you are talking, and that's a good thing. Heedful hearing. We need to do this. Perhaps... And I just can't... I'm only speculating here. Perhaps Philemon's cup was a little full. Perhaps word got to Paul that Philemon was angry and was hurt. And Paul does his best to address those concerns in this letter and maybe outside of this letter in hoping that he might build capacity in Philemon's cup so that he can now receive what it is that Paul wants to share with him. And that is reconcile with him. Reconcile with Onesimus. Reconcile with him. Brothers and sisters... People will not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ until they have been heard first. I sometimes wonder, I love how the scriptures and Jesus in the New Testament, it doesn't share it a lot, but it can only speculate. Like, for instance, the woman at the well and how he had listened to this woman, he was in conversation with this woman. Listening to her concerns, listening to her theology, listening to what she was wrestling with. And then Jesus kind of lowers the boom a little bit because he knows her, he created her, he knows everything about her, and says, hey, go get your husband. And instead of judging her, he just, yeah, I know. It's hard. Life is hard. I get it. You're coming here at midday to get water from the well because you've been shunned. I get it. Yeah, I, I could have avoided this area completely and just walked around it, but I chose to go through Samaria intentionally. Because I, I love you all. I want to hear what's going on in your lives. I love it. If God didn't want to hear from us, prayer wouldn't, be, wouldn't exist. Period. God didn't want to hear from us, prayer would not exist. God wants to hear from us. James chapter 1, verses 19-21 through 21 says this. You know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now everyone must be quick to what? Hear. Hear. Everyone must be quick to hear, not speak. Slow to speak, in fact, he says, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. You cannot anger your way to a right relationship. You just can't. Ask anyone. How is it that you have a wonderful marriage? Oh, we angered our way towards that one. Man, we just went to the woodshed and just got it over with every time, man. It's unbelievable. Anger is the best thing for a healthy relationship. You can't do it. You can't anger your way to a healthy human relationship. You certainly can't anger your way to a healthy relationship with God Himself. You cannot do it. You can't do it. And by the way, we cannot anger ourselves to a better country through anger. We can't do it. We cannot do it. If you think the answer to our country is getting angry, and I love how people always kind of quote, well, Jesus got angry. He turned the temple tables over and brought out a whip and all that kind of stuff. Yes! But that's not a, that, that's a totally different context. Okay? If a church ever stops people from coming in and having access to Jesus Christ, we could talk about bringing out whips and turning over tables. Okay? But you don't need a church to have that. You just need a willing heart. So I, I don't think in the future we're going to have any turning over the tables and whips out. But I just love how they quote that part about Jesus. Jesus got angry. Yes! He got angry. That doesn't mean we can, in this case. Context is everything. That's out of context. You can never anger yourself to a better relationship. We can never anger ourselves to a better country or a better world. We just can't do it. So stop being angry. Says this, therefore, in verse twenty one, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. That heedful hearing. If we are angry, we can't hear it. If we are filled with all the other stuff in our lives and views and everything else, we can't hear it. But thank goodness we have a God who is patient and who is willing to listen. When is the last time you ever had and when went off on God. Seriously. When's the last time you just said, God, you know what? I don't want to be with you today. I'm really angry with you. This went, this went bad. This went bad. I'm not happy with it. This is going on. You know what, God? Can we, just, can we just be done here? I've done that. It's okay. I'm still alive. I'm still here. He hasn't struck me down. We need more of that honest conversation. God welcomes it. He's not surprised by it. And by the way, he can handle it. So don't be afraid. Be honest. Not being honest with God, I think, is more of offense than anything else. He already knows you. You're not hiding anything. So stop pretending. Amen? Jesus, as I said before, practiced heedful listening. Matthew 26, verses... 39 through 40, perhaps one of the best heedful hearing passages that Jesus did. He said this, and he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. This was on the night that he would be arrested, he would be tried, and eventually crucified. And he listened, he spoke, and he listened, and he knew, in the end, I have to be obedient. That heedful hearing, I have to be obedient. If we want to have a new beginning, we have to be willing to listen to each other. If we want to have a new beginning with Jesus, we have to be willing to listen to him. That's what is required here. And not only that, here's the second part. Not only do we need to start with needful healing but we need to follow it up with aspirational action aspirational action you know what aspirational is it means hopeful hopeful action action that brings about hope that brings about reconciliation that brings about a new beginning that's aspirational action having aspirations having hopes for a better future having hopes for a better life that's aspir- that those are aspirations aspirational action is acting in a way that helps bring about that hope. Listen to what Paul writes, and I love this in verse 22 following this. He says this, At the same time, also prepare me a guest room, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. In other words, Paul hopes to actually go and visit Philemon. And he hopes that when he comes, he will see Philemon and Onesimus reconciled, a new beginning in a fractured relationship, a relationship that once was broken now has been healed what a beautiful thing to say. Kind of puts him on notice a little bit too, doesn't it? Oh, Paul's coming. I better uh, I better get everything in order. However, that's not what Paul would ever want. It has to be by choice. It has to be willing and voluntary. And yet he says to him, Hey, guess what? Prepare a room for me. That's aspirational action. Paul hopes to actually come and visit. And when he does, he hopes that Philemon will actually have prepared a room for him. And not only that, will have been reconciled. That's aspirational action. And then he goes on and he ends the letter by naming some individuals. And this is really key. He says this in verse 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Did you miss it? Did you catch it? Uh, the list of people, he lists one individual that, stuck, that sticks out to me. That is Mark. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Dan, wasn't there a, a, a situation where Paul had a falling out with a guy by the name of Mark? Yeah, His name was John Mark. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. Yeah, that's this Mark. You mean Mark is now with Paul? Yeah. He's with Paul in Rome. What happened? Oh, they reconciled. They reconciled. In other words, at the end of this letter, what we discover is that what Paul is asking Philemon to do is something that he himself has also done. Paul has reconciled with Mark, whom at one point, they had a falling out. I can't imagine that as part of that process, Paul had to do some heedful hearing. Oh yeah, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Jesus Christ has been reconciled to me, I should be reconciled to my brother. I can't imagine that as all these things that Paul has shared that he himself was thinking as he was writing this letter, yeah, these are the things I went through with John Mark. Mark. And you know what? At the end, we were able to be reconciled. And if I can be reconciled with John Mark, I think Philemon can be reconciled with Onesimus. I think it's possible. Aspirational action. Doing things that help bring about those new beginnings. And I love, in some ways, it can even be the little things, like preparing a room. You're always welcomed here. Giving a meal. Praying for someone. It's even the little things aspirational actions that it can help bring about reconciliation I'm going to share with you one last prayer that I think kind of sums up what I think is aspirational it's an aspirational prayer Saint Francis of Assisi said this prayer wrote this prayer I'm going to share it with you right now and listen to these words he says this Lord make me an instrument of thy peace where there is hatred let me show love It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. That's aspirational action. I don't know about you, but this is also a dangerous prayer. What if we pray this? And more than that, what if we were serious about it? Let me end this time uh, by asking a question. How many of you received the letter from the elders yesterday? Um, we sent it out to the members, regular tenders. Um, As I shared a few weeks ago, we were going to be sending out a letter inviting you to conversations. Let me just share with you what our hope is as elders, and I think that this is our hope. I'll find out today, afterwards, but I'm going to share it anyways. Our hope is, is that we will, as we have these conversations with all of you who want to have these conversations, and I hope that many of you, if not all of you, would, would be willing to have these conversations, is that as elders we want to just be and practice heedful hearing. We want to listen. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your joys. We want to hear your concerns. We want to hear where you are in all of this, including the life of our church. We just want to see where you are, and we want to hear your hearts. We want to practice this heedful hearing so that hopefully we can do some aspirational action. We can reconcile maybe where we need to reconcile. Whatever that may look like. That we can bring hope wherever we can do that. I don't know what those actions are yet, but that is our goal at the end of these things. At the end of these conversations.